faces a choice. This is Battleground America. Here's Tara Servatius. Some of my all-time favorite novels are from the Victorian era. From here in America and England, it's the closest to living history we'll ever have. You can read a novel about that period, whatever, written by someone now, not interesting. I like to read things written by people back then. One of the most shocking things about that time is you come to realize the patriarchy, so left calls it, wasn't anything like they describe it. This male-dominated world where only men could work, only men could own property, women had very few rights, and little freedom outside the home. In fact, women remained at home. They got that part right, but not the why of it. It wasn't because men were repressing us. It was because they had the burden of having to protect us. Working was almost impossible for a woman because going out alone regularly was almost impossible before a woman. And that includes the United States of America, where we didn't have organized police departments in most mid-sized to small cities until the early 1900s. The idea of leaving your house during the Victorian era by yourself to go do something by yourself without a company of a man, not possible in a lot of England and America. You ran a decent chance of being raped. Bottom line, the way that we live now, where we go out of our homes to get our mail, we don't look to the right, we don't look to the left, we get in our cars, we drive to work, we don't think anything about pulling up, parking, and walking in, that, in all of human history, is a really weird way to live. It's only really been around for the last 120 years for women. And now the idea is in fashion. We can just live without all that. We don't need law enforcement. We don't need civil society. Even the idea of women not owning property, which women in most states couldn't even do till the early 1900s, is rooted in it. If a woman can't walk by herself to go to work without being raped or hit over the head, how would she defend property? That was really the sole thing of value that a family had. She couldn't. And you start to see that what looks like the patriarchy is really something more complicated. It's general lawlessness overall. Most of these places, if it was in America, had an equivalent of a sheriff who would go get you after the fact, executing a warrant. There was no law enforcement. It was do it yourself. A woman, then, was a burden for a man to protect. His mother, his sisters, all the women in his sphere. They didn't stray far from home. They really couldn't in most places. That's in Victorian America and Victorian England. And one of the things you'll find over and over in these books is how women who did stray from their homes were looked down upon. If you were to walk without a man's company and protection from point A to point B, it was assumed you wanted to be raped. Only a woman of ill repute would do such a thing. It was one of the reasons that working class women who, to feed their hordes of children, had to go from their homes to the factories were looked so down upon. It's why careers and professions for women virtually didn't exist back then. Because a woman would, again, need independence to do those things. And when you read these books, you start to understand it was based on the lawless reality of the time. Not some, you know, overarching need for repression by the patriarchy who was sitting around trying to figure out how to keep us down. On the contrary, they were trying to figure out how to keep us alive and unraped. Without this law and order, we simply couldn't participate in society. We had no means to do so. And that's why the idea of us voting was so bizarre to men back then. 
So what changed it? Women might have worked themselves to the bone on the family farm, but they wouldn't leave it without the protection of a man. So what changed all that? Police departments did. In the U.S., prior to the 1900s, only the largest cities had a police department of any size or significance. That wouldn't filter down to small and mid-sized cities until 1910 to 1920. Notice the 1920s were the roaring 1920s, a time of women's independence. It wasn't until World War I when the men left and they literally needed the women to run the factories. Now, nah, around 1917, that women began to really leave their homes independently, go to work. Some of them liked it and it stayed. Well, what did that coincide with? A lot of people think, and you'll read it in history books, that that coincided with, well, you know, we needed women in the factories. And that was part of it. But it coincided with the opening of police departments. For the first time, you didn't just have a couple sheriff's deputies running around serving warrants on somebody for killing somebody else after the fact. You had active patrols. The change in women's freedoms and their lifestyles was instant and radical. Every freedom we now enjoy that we did not enjoy 100 years ago. Every opportunity, feminism itself is based on that. And I'm afraid it's crumbling. My first job at a college was at a construction site. I spoke Spanish pretty well, and I got to know a guy by the name of Rafael. And I finally asked him why these illegal immigrants, because it was a construction site, it was loaded with illegal immigrants, why these guys who were fresh over the border, you could tell because they didn't speak any English, why these guys fresh over the border would stare at me like I was a piece of meat. Is that some sort of cultural thing down in South America and Mexico, I'd ask him? He'd been in America for about 15 years, and he knew exactly what I was talking about. He said, no, in the places they live, he explained to me, they are are very, very lawless. They come from Mexican villages, Guatemalan villages, smaller places where women can't go out, not without the protection of a man. And so he explained, it was assumed if you see a woman walking around like me, because that is such a foreign thing to them, walking around a construction site completely unimpeded, totally unafraid. The only kind of woman would do that was a prostitute, a low woman, a woman who didn't care if she was raped. Most of them, he said, could walk around. They were the only women who could walk around unimpeded uh, because the criminal organizations pimped them. So no man man would touch them because he would then be killed uh, or harmed or maimed or be expected to pay for her sexual services uh, to her pimp, uh, and I guess ultimately probably the cartels. I was just jaw-dropped by that, that that was still the way that it was in this era? Are you kidding me? That was the late 90s. But it is. It's still that way in parts of South America. Why? Because despite all the modern conveniences, if you don't have law enforcement, women are immediately sent right back to where they were in the Victorian period. That is the law of the jungle. Want another example? Okay, let's go back 2,000 years, 5,000 years, 4,000 years, 11,000 years, 20,000 years. There's a fascinating study that did just that, looking at bones from the period. And you know what they discovered? The average male body was so beaten to hell, the average male skeleton, they looked like they'd been in what we would consider a pretty serious car wreck or like they'd returned from a war with war-style injuries. That was the average male body. Today, those kind of skeletons can only be found in fairly severe trauma victims. What's fascinating was the skeletons looked the same 4,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, 11,000 years ago, and 20,000 years ago. It was evidence 
of a brutal life lived. Women's skeletons had far more evidence of a rough life too. Broken bones, lots of fractures, but nothing like the men's. This, throughout all of human history, is what it took to protect your hearth, your woman, your daughters, your food source, etc. In other words, the way we live is not normal, and the way humanity behaves, not par for the course. And the left wants to reverse that, and it's working. As evidence, I bring you Walmart and Target. Target went first, announcing it had lost a staggering $400 million to theft, mostly organized theft rings. It's covered in the Battleground podcast. Theft had increased a staggering 50% in one year. Target is on track to lose a staggering $600 million this year. That is a full 21% of their profits gone, walked right out of the stores. The CEO says mostly to organize theft rings. Well, the CEO of Walmart just said they're suffering the same thing. That staggering 50% in a single year increase in organized theft. He said it in a CNBC interview. And he said, Walmart is essentially desperate. They are going to have to pull out of some areas of America and they're probably going to have to raise prices across the board. Why? Here's how he put it. In places where the DAs and the police cooperate with Walmart, the problems aren't that bad. But in other places, they're literally being raided by organized theft rings. What does that mean? At a very rapid rate, think 50% increase in a single year. In shoplifting, parts of America are becoming so third world that you can't have a Walmart in them. I mean, think about that. There's places all over the world that Walmart or a similar style, similar style store would never set up uh, because the thing would just be sacked the minute the, the minute the doors open. Are we seriously looking at parts of America going that third world? I think we are. So third world that women can't go out of their houses to work without fear of being hit over the head? Consider this shocking stat. 73,000. An all-time record high for getaways at our border. In a single month, 73,000 getaways. We know the number because the federal government has sensors in the ground along the border. We know the exact number, in fact. I've been predicting for a long time that what will begin to happen in America is that criminals from other countries who are awaiting their trials, they're out on bond, they're sentencing, will simply flee to America. After all, you go south of here, just about every country has almost identical bond rules to us. You get bonded out unless you c commit an absolutely heinous first-degree murder-style trial for pedophilia, rape, uh, attempted murder. You're what? Bonded out till trial. No one in their right mind with an open border in the United States of America would stay and wait to be tried. Why governments might actually encourage this to save themselves the expense of incarcerating these oh wait that already happened back in october headline venezuela sending prisoners to the u.s southern border they're literally emptying their prisons and sending violent criminals to the southern border the department of homeland security confirmed now back to the seventy-three thousand. you'll see where i'm going with this that's just for the month of november gotaways here's the thing no one in their right mind at the border runs from law enforcement no, they turned themselves in as 207,000 people did in November. Why? You get the free brand new cell phone that the government gives you. When's the last time you got a free phone? You get your work papers. You get papers and directions to access 
free health care. And you get the app on the phone that allows you to sign up for welfare uh, and again to access the government health care. You also remember get hotel nights paid for by the American government until they can move you out on your free either bus ticket or plane ticket, including to Hawaii. No one in their right mind runs from that on the border. This is why they line up. This is why you saw that those Haitians gathered under the bridge, 14,000 of them. They weren't leaving without all that stuff. No, the only people who run are those who can't get caught because they either have criminal records in their own country, they're on some kind of terror watch list, they're with a cartel and they're trafficking sex slaves and other slaves into our country, uh, or they're carrying drugs. So what do these numbers tell us? Well, about two years ago, the Department of Homeland Security's internal documents leaked, and we learned that about one-fifth of those crossing our border were criminals. This would put the percentage at roughly 25%. Either criminals caught with a record elsewhere, people who don't want us to know they're here, um, or people who are participating in criminality as they go back and forth across the border. In other words, they're criminals who haven't been caught. 25%. 73,000 a month. Doing something so shady or having something so shady in their past, they do not want a free phone. They do not want a free plane ticket. They do not want work papers. That is a literal criminal army. And the magnet driving it lacks laws and law enforcement in blue cities. Of this already happening, like this headline from March. This is in the UK Daily Mail. It's about America. Professional South American burglary gang is filmed emptying luxury California homes after carrying out similar raids across the East Coast, Indiana, and Texas before flying home. And they go on to talk about how this is part of a pattern of these gangs either walking across the border or flying in and overstaying their visas from Chile, Colombia, Guatemala, all throughout South America. These are international criminal gangs who are now beginning to target the homes of the wealthy. And in places also like North and South Carolina, Georgia and Virginia, New York, that they have not seen this before. The FBI is involved. What I'm talking about is no less than the very real possibility of us losing control of parts of America. Literal physical control. Google this. Judge killed. Police chief killed. Police officers killed in Mexico. And you'll quickly see that anyone who's not on the criminal cartel's payroll gets whacked in parts of Mexico. The cartels literally run them. And there's nothing law enforcement can do about it except get on their payroll or die. Look, we've got guns here, and I think they'll always be red areas with like-minded people who will continue to enforce the law. But even those areas are being besieged. Think about that, 73000 a month. And folks, Joe Biden's about to terminate Title 42. And so the flow, it's going to only increase on steroids. It's a very real question. Is America becoming a sanctuary for the world's criminals? And in particular, the world's sex offenders. Wait, what? We caught a record number of them, too, in November. 143, never before seen in a month, at a border. Rapists and pedophiles. Why do they want in here? Likely because of California. Look this up. UK Daily Mail just did an expose. And there was a ballot measure passed 
to end prison overcrowding that gives the governor and the judicial system the ability to bond people out way before their sentences are over. What the UK Daily Mail passed in 2016, what the UK Daily Mail found is California is using it to create a virtual pedophile sex offender sanctuary state. That in that state, people who commit sodomy on children, rape on children, film it and um, create child porn, all of that, none of them are serving more than months as a sentence, even if they've been sentenced to 5, 10, 15, 20 years. They're all getting out. How many are we talking? Between 2016 and 2019, the UK Daily Mail reported 7,000 were let out before their sentences were up. Most way before their sentences are going up. Now do you see why we caught so many sex offenders on the border? They're coming here. Wouldn't you? Battleground America with Tara Servatius. Please subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Share with friends, family, and other free thinkers. Thanks for listening.